Well, what do we have here? <laughs> Another episode of the Robcast. And this one is called That Pause. <laughs> it's even hard to say that pause without saying that pause. I've been trying to figure out what to call this episode. I tried all these different titles, nothing. It was like a blank. Usually there's like too many, you have to pick one. This was like just a, a blank of like images and <laughs> thoughts, but I couldn't get the language. And I was like the most, well, it's about that pause, but that pause is the most awkward. It's only two words, but it's so cumbersome and bulky. And I was like, well, then that's what it is. That pause. So uh, in many ways, this episode sort of centers around, a, it's a question, but it's also in some ways a theory, but it comes out of my own experience, which I know to be true, um, and in some ways it's a challenge and a throwdown. So um, what I want to walk you through is that pause as a way of thinking about how you hold your space and time and life and uh, as usual, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, speaking of where things take us, new dates are up now, new cities for the introduction to Joy Tour. Um, tickets have been up for a while for I'll be in Arizona this week, Tucson and Mesa. And then the following week, I'll be in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. I know. How great is that going to be? And then um, Charlotte and Birmingham, Alabama coming your way in the near future. But then tickets have just gone up for Fresno, Santa Barbara, Knoxville, and Chattanooga, and, wait for it, Louisville, Kentucky. Come on. Oh, my word. This, seriously. Some of the, like Louisville, I haven't been to in years. So um, coming your way, tickets and information and all that is at my site. Oh, um, other new things. I uh, The last part of my audio commentary on the book of Leviticus is now out, part four of Blood, Guts, and Fire, the Gospel According to Leviticus, and you in any way have the general consensus of the populace, which is, well, maybe for you it's just why would you ever read the Bible, or let alone a book like Leviticus, which is often agreed upon as the most difficult book, but it's actually... It's a book about care for the earth. It's a book about a widening gap between rich and poor. It's a, a, a book about the concretization of the ideal. How do you create rituals to keep you filled with hope when despair is hovering on the edges? It is. Um, I've been working with this book for 20 years, so I keep sort of uncovering new depths. But when I decided a year ago to do this project... I honestly had no idea I was going to find what I found. So um, in total, the four parts which cover the entire book are, it's roughly 12 hours. <laughs> you cannot say that without laughing. It's roughly 12 hours of listening. Um, but it is, I mean, I'm going to say this with a straight face. It's so 2019. Um, some of the central themes of this ancient, strange priestly manual called Leviticus. Who knew? Who knew? But now, let's explore that pause. Uh, so here's the question, which is also in many ways the throwdown, the challenge, which actually comes out of my experience and um, 
in some ways, it's this way of understanding how you hold your time and your energies. So, so here would be the question. Is it possible for you to get twice as much done expending half as much energy? Is this possible? Is it possible that you could be twice as productive exerting half of the energy you normally would? Now, quick obvious disclaimer, the goal of life is not production. The goal, the highest goal in life is not efficiency. Um, and especially we have bills to pay. We have kids to raise. We have uh, businesses and students and people who depend on you to do what you do. So uh, this is no knock on the fact that central to life is our sacred responsibilities with those around us. Um, but one of the reasons why I pose it as this question um, is to get at the way that we hold our energies and our time. There is an ancient text uh, in the Psalms. It says, be still and know that I am God. Which uh, for many people, especially the, the, the second part, and, and know that I am God, that can be a little vague, a little esoteric. What, what, where, what, how? Uh, but try this. Be still and know the truth of the matter. Be still and become aware of the depths of this moment. Regret is stuck in the past. Worry is stuck in the future. Regret and worry both leave you somewhere other than here. Be still and know the depths and the fullness of what's right here, right now. Be still and become aware of spirit showing you the next right step. It's almost like be still and in that pause, trust and assume that what you need will be there. My uh, son Preston's a musician, and he recently went to a musician business industry type meeting. He's 18, so, so um, some of the industry side of things is new to him, <laughs> and he comes back and he's like, Dad, Dad, I just went to this meeting. You know you've said that some people go to meetings and talk a lot and send lots of emails and texts kind of just to make it appear as though they're doing something, but they're not. I think I just went to one of those meetings. <laughs> and then he started to describe the meeting. He's like, see what I mean? He's like, it was like there was all this hype and all this energy and all this motion and, and this and that and quoting this and dropping that and sending the, but he's like, at the end, I didn't know what the point, what were we doing? <laughs> what were we trying to accomplish? He's like, it was all just a giant flurry of activity, but without anything actually happening or moving forward <laughs> or have you uh have you ever responded to an email and 20 minutes later, 2 hours later, a day later you're like, "Oh, I responded way too fast." That person got under my skin. That situation 
produced a certain tension within me, and I just had to respond thinking that would ease the tension. But now it's a couple hours later, it's a couple minutes later, it's a day later, and I should not have responded the way I did. If I would have paused and thought about it, I would have responded very differently. But then you got the email back from that person responding to your response, and now everything has just escalated. Instead of the tension dissipating, now those emails are crackling with potential misunderstanding, mistrust. This thing could go south. Really, and now you feel like this, uh, yeah, 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 that pause, be still and know. That pause is what's often missing in the world that we find ourselves in. For, for many people, movement and motion have become confused with intentionality and efficiency. And so as long as we're just doing something, whatever you do, do something, look busy, for many, then action gets confused with efficiency. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I was working the whole time. Yes, but to what degree was it the most efficient use of energies? Or was it just stay in motion because you don't want anybody to see you just sitting there? But some things that you and I face demand that we just sit there and think it through, that we build this pause into our lives, to be still so that you can know how to respond to that email. Yeah, there, there is the guitar solo. There is the too busy guitar solo, too many notes flying all over the place. It's a fretboard pyrotechnics. And then there is that single intentional note. There is a three or four notes played with such precision and passion and care that those three notes, they do more than a five-minute solo with a lighter in the air. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It is easy in the world that we live in to be rewarded for how fast you move and how much you get done when much of it sometimes may be completely unnecessary. That pause is building into your life these rhythms of listening and then acting and moving and then moving back into listening and then from listening, moving in to acting and going and producing and responding. But without this rhythm, it's like the whole thing just becomes a frenetic flurry. So the invitation in this ancient text, in this prayer, be still and know the divine. Be still and know what's going on here. Be still so that you can identify all the things that are happening in the room. Imagine if every meeting began with a moment of stillness and the question was, 
what are the real issues that we need to work through? If everybody could distill that giant hairball of anxiety and worry and stress, what is this truly about? A number of years ago, I did an event with Roshi John Halifax, the this uh, Buddhist Zen master, one of the leading um, Buddhist leaders in the world. She's a master teacher. She's a glorious human being, I swear. 30 feet away from her, and you can feel the love and the grounding and the centering. And so she was the person on stage moderating the event, and there was this um, Q&A period. And it's an arena full of people, and they're going to put microphones in the aisles so that people can ask questions. And you're like, this could not, this could be a nightmare. By the way, this is the moment when Kristen Bell is already in the parking lot getting in the car, because she's like, I don't do open Q&As where anybody can just walk up to the mic. She's like, I will not put myself through that. (laughs) But uh, Roshi Joan is setting it up. And she says to the audience, now we're going to do Q&A. There are microphones in the aisles. You can come up and ask your question. But before you ask your question, this is what I want to say to you. Essence. Oh, how good is that? That's what she said. Before you ask your question, essence. And you could feel the audience. It was like gentle but firm. It was commanding but kind essence. And you could also see that people understood what she was saying. Because you know that open mic thing where the person starts talking about how they feel, and then this thing happened to me in third grade, and then as I was driving here today, and it becomes like an extended blog post, we're not quite sure where it's headed, and the audience is just like, get to the question. Essentially, what you're feeling, that tension you're feeling in the moments is, if that person would have built that pause into their thinking about the question, and asked, what is the essence here? They could easily have distilled all of those words and meandering and sentences into, this is my question. Da-da, da-da. Essence. How many conversations, how many meetings, how many email interactions if we started with building in that pause, what is the essence here? Be still and know the essence of things. Because what you're doing at a far, far, far deeper energetic level, when you pause, when you're moving a half step slower, What you're doing in many ways is you are placing yourself in your energies in a wider horizon of movement and flow and power and energy. So what you see, well, if you think about the biblical story, in the Bible, again and again and again, right away there's this command to take a Sabbath, and a Sabbath is to live with a six-in-one rhythm of life. Do your work for six days, but on a seventh pause and do no work. And of course, the terror is, wait, if I pause, maybe I won't have enough. Maybe I won't be provided for. Maybe, but, but again and again and again, the wisdom is always pause. 
so that you are faced with the limits of your own energies and so that you have created space in your life for larger creational and divine energies to come into play. Otherwise, it's just you. You're carrying it. You've got to figure it out. You've got to solve this problem. You've got to figure out how to deal with this toxic, annoying, obnoxious, destructive person in your life. Otherwise, it's just you on your own. The power of be still and know is creating space in your life for other powers and forces to go to work. You respond to that email right away because, well, it's up to me to fix this thing. Give it a minute. Who knows? It may fix itself. Most emergencies aren't. There are people playing out their dramas and inviting you to become entangled in their dramas. Give that a minute. Give that a minute. It'll probably, it may, it could, they often do sort themselves out. Sometimes they don't. And then you have to roll up your sleeves. And now we really have some things on our hands. But in that pause, what you're doing is you're giving room for other forces to go to work. Otherwise, it's just you. And that's so heavy. So you get that email and you're like, I have no idea what to do here. Excellent. We're at the end of our competence. By the way, this is a lovely place to be. I have no idea how to sort this one out. Okay, pause. I need guidance. I need help. I need outside assistance. You open yourself up like this. You have no idea who or what may show up or how may show up. So there's a larger question here. Am I on my own here? Or are there other forces at work? Yeah. Now there's also this interesting line. Uh, well, I got this Leviticus in my head. There's this line that keeps repeating the land, the, uh, the divine says to these people, the land belongs to me. <laughs> it's so good. The land belongs to me. So in the ancient Hebrew consciousness, you would never have a dispute over whose land it is because it's nobody's land because it belongs to the divine. So you are simply a temporary steward of it. So this is why built in well, like in, in the Leviticus strain of thought, you're always welcoming the refugee and the immigrant. You're always welcoming the other, the other nation, the other tribe. You're always making room for the person who's wandering through. Of course you are. It was, it was never your land. It's providing for you, so of course it would provide for others. You're not trying to protect it from others. You're not like trying to keep people out because it was never yours in the first place. It's a gift. It's providing for you. Of course, it would provide for others. It's a generous view of creation. You're not on your own here. It's not just up to you to sort of 
wrestle some food and product and resource from the earth. It's abundant. It's generative. It's generous. And you're invited into that generosity to receive it and then to pass it along to others. So that's why I like the Sabbath teaching was always take a day and do no work and trust that the earth and forces beyond you are fully capable of providing whatever you need. And then uh, there are all these passages about, and then every seven years, don't farm the land. Let that piece of land lie fallow is the term. Don't plant in it. Just give that land a rest. Let it rebuild minerals, nutrients. Let it restore itself so that it can be productive again. And the terror is always, well, then how are we going to, you know, get our food? And the teaching was always, there will be plenty in the sixth year. You'll have more than enough. So you can see there is a long-standing human, it's like a drive or an itch, or maybe, maybe more accurately, it's like a glitch to get rid of the spaces, to get rid of the pauses, to get rid of the stillness and slowness, and just to take it all upon ourselves. I guess I'm all alone here, so I better figure this out. And whether it's land, economics, or whether it's simply solving a problem on email, the ancient spiritual wisdom is you're, you're building that pause into your life. It like is taking the psychic weight off of your heart and off of your shoulders that you are totally on your own here. It's building in that pause this trust that spirit is far more efficient and wise, that there is a deep inner Christ wisdom, a wisdom of the ages present within you. And when you pause, new solutions, new imaginations, new ideas come into being. And so it's this rhythm that you're learning to live with. You just got these two text messages and... They both are demanding a response, but when you read both of them, you're like, "Ooh, man, I gotta, I got this is, I gotta tread carefully here. I gotta make sure whatever you do, you don't respond immediately. Well, you take a pause, and you give it some space. You create this gap, so." that new ideas and new solutions and new responses can come to the surface. Otherwise, it takes us back to this ancient, you are on your own, and that's so heavy. By the way, in the story about this land, the exile, when these, when these people living on this land, they end up in exile in Babylon, and... All along, all the way through Torah, all the way through the book of Leviticus, over and over again, the rhythm was let the land rest, you rest, build it, have these feasts where you do no work. Over and over again, it's like build into your life all these spaces where you're reminded that you're not on your own, that there is a provision and a generosity that extends way beyond you. 
that the earth is far more productive than you could ever be. Rest in that. Do your work, but then also your work rests within a larger care and provision and love and generosity. But these people don't do this, and they end up in exile. And the explanation for their exile, they're hauled away to this foreign land, Babylon. The explanation is, you didn't let the land have its rest, and so the land vomited you out. It's like you didn't build this pause into your rhythms of work and rest. And so eventually the land can't bear you anymore. And, and that's the, the, the phrasing there in the Hebrew, the land vomited you out. So you're going to be in exile until the land has had its rest. You see what this is all about. You don't build this pause in and you end up at a distance from your own life. Exile is both geographic and of the heart. It's when you've been so busy and you've been going so fast and you've been going from one thing to another. And when we meet up with you, you say things like, oh, I'm so busy. I know you're so, so busy. You know how it is. Oh, it's just, been cra- it's just been crazy lately. Yeah. Without this pause to ask larger questions about why are we going so hard, so fast, so many places? What am I? What is this flurry of activity? How come this person who I adore, who's one of my favorite people to spend time with, I haven't spent time with them in months? What am I doing that's so much more important than the people that I love the most? That is a form of exile. It is standing at a distance from your own life. And what happens when you build this pause, this stillness, this be still and know, be still and know, oh, that your priorities are completely out of whack. Oh, be still and know that I have confused movement and motion with intentionality. What are the few things I am here to do? And everything else We need to leave that behind. Yeah, there's a human tendency to lose the beat, to lose that rhythm of life, and to get so sucked into this whole thing is on me. Uh, Every time, try this with your email, by the way. Before every response, unless it's just something basic like what time are we meeting for lunch or whatever, (laughs) but um, otherwise, anything that has any... Um, hint of tension, challenge, uh, difficulty, awkwardness. Uh, You read it and you think, man, I have no idea how to respond. Just, okay, that pause. I'm not on my own here. Be still and assume that there is some response that is the fitting response, the proper response. I don't have it now. Be still, pause, and trust that it'll come when it needs to come. Be still, or that meeting that you're in, and you're like, this meeting is just, oh my word. This is a meeting about a meeting. This is a meeting about, what are we even talking about in this thing? What are we, just, what are we doing? Pause, that pause, be still. Be still and search for essence. Because the person who's not sucked up in the insanity of the meeting, who's sitting there paused 
and has entered into that space. There's something else going on here. What is it? There's some other thing in play. There's something else in the room right now. Yeah, build that pause in. That's the person who then says, can I just say something? It sounds like actually there's another thing that we haven't named yet that's this. And then the entire meeting shifts. Or, oh, sweet Lord, if you are in an argument with your lover <laughs> and you just keep talking, man, that pause will save you hours and days. <laughs> just pause. Wait, they just said that. I'm about to say this. That might not be the best thing to say. Yeah, that pause. Be still. Be still. You'll rarely regret holding your tongue and listening. There's some issue here. There's, I mean, even this one. Be still and start asking, what am I missing here? They're trying to point something out. I, I'm, I'm in this. So somewhere in this is something I maybe haven't owned I haven't seen, I'm not aware of, I'm perpetuating. They're trying to point something out here. And if I just keep charging ahead with all my words, I may miss it. And we may go round and round and round and round. Yeah, be still. It's like you're building this pause into all of those moments. Wait, 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 what's going on here? What's going on here? Generally, by the way, as a general rule, an apology is probably somewhere in there. Uh, because that's how we got to this point, is we missed something. We did something, and we haven't owned it yet. If you start there, whew, you can go all sorts of interesting places. Now, in particle physics, and that was a segue, and you saw that coming, correct? In particle physics, quantum theory, what we now know is that empty space, because in the modern era, for many people, the way the universe was seen as it's empty space, and then there are objects in empty space, moon, sun, planet Earth, furniture, a car, that person, objects in empty space. But what we now know from quantum physics is that empty space itself is filled with particles. And those subatomic particles... They're coming and going from existence. They're bonding. They're splitting. They're forming atoms. Those atoms are forming molecules. That actually empty space is filled with, uh, uh, what is it, the, the physicist Paul Davies talks about crystallized conundrums of pulsing energy, I believe is his phrase. Yeah, the empty space itself is filled with particles. And particles are doing things. They're bonding. They're splitting. They're aware of each other. They're entangled. They're changing their spin. There's all sorts of things happening in what you and I would think of as empty space. The space between two people standing there talking is filled with particles. And particles bond with particles to form atoms. Atoms form molecules. Molecules form cells. Cells form systems. Those systems form human beings. Like the Particles are the building blocks of all of reality. The chair you're sitting in, the car you're driving, the trail you're running along, the dishes that you are washing, particles. Those particles are coming and going from existence. We don't know where they come from. We don't know where they go. But we know that empty space itself is alive with particles, which are relationships of energy doing what they do. So the beautiful thing, and the metaphor here, is to think about this empty space, to think about that pause, the stillness, before you speak, before you respond, before you act, when you listen to your deepest intuition, to your deepest Christ wisdom, when you pause, when you are still, 
to know the divine. That space is filled with all sorts of things. It may be filled with the answer, may be filled with the next step. It may be filled with imagination. It may be filled with an apology. It may be filled with a clarifying question. It may be filled with essence. And this whole meeting that's going to drag on for two hours, that meeting becomes a 17-minute meeting when somebody pauses and listens and watches for the essence and then names it. And otherwise, people would have just in the mistaken illusion that as long as we're talking, we're making progress. That person who built that pause in names it. Actually, I think this is actually the core issue. And actually, out of that core issue, there's just one simple question. Do we this or do we this? And everybody goes, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Which takes me back to this question. How much energy is getting burned up in a flurry of activity that is not efficient and it's not intentional because there's no rhythm. There are no pauses. A good song needs pauses. Once again, how could we not work some sort of musical analog into this? <laughs> yeah, the music is about pauses. A drummer who plays all the time is a terrible drummer. <laughs> the very nature of drums and rhythm is on and off. Yeah, that's why it moves you so much. Inhale, exhale, a heartbeat. Yeah, everything in nature is some sort of sine wave on and off. Engage, disengage. So that's the question. Is it possible to become so intentional? It may look like you're moving a half step slower, but you're moving a half step slower because you're three steps ahead. Because you're scanning this space. You're building in all this space. You have come to embrace fully the truth that you're not alone here. This is why people talked about spirit, divine, God, listening. Of course, the Christ showing you the way. Of course, of course. And every tradition across every group of people had its own way of naming this phenomenon of the human experience is you have that email, you have no idea how you're going to respond. You build this gap, you open yourself up, you say, okay, I'm going to be still here. I'm going to be, there's this pause and things announce themselves within that space. And five minutes ago, you were like, that email is impossible. And now it's a day later and you know exactly how to respond. Of course, be still and know essence. So let's uh, finish here. Let's drag up whatever, uh, pick something, pick a current tension, pick a challenge, pick something that is just making you mental, pick something that's making you angry, just pick it, whatever it is, hold it there in your hands, and then be still with it. Build that pause into it. And then ask yourself, uh, be still and know next step. Be still in that pause. Essence? Am I missing the essence of this? Is there something behind the thing here? Is there some issue behind the issue? Uh, is there some truth behind the truth behind the truth? 
Uh, oh, here's a question that this question will save you so much time and unnecessary expenditure of energy. What else is in play here? That one question, what else is in play here? Oh, my word. You can get to the heart of things so... Oh, I don't even know what the word is. So rapidly, so much more quickly. Is that even a phrase? What else is in play here? Or uh, this one, uh, what matters here? Sometimes it's just an issue of going, you know what, that doesn't matter. I'm gonna, everybody's giving that energy. Mm -mm, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not important. The amount of questions uh, when I do Q&As where people are asking a question and you just have to say, that's not an important question. It's just not an important question. You're going to burn up a bunch of energy, try to answer a question. It's not important. Sometimes it's just the, the guts, just the spinal fortitude to be like, no, mm -mm, it's not important. Yeah, yeah. Or be still and know what to do next. That's the only thing here. The only interesting thing. What's the next thing to do? So there's a flurry of activity and the emails and texts are flying around and the tension and the argument and that this person comes in the room and this person, and yet the only thing in play is what's the next thing to do here? And everybody's thinking about everything but that. And so you build that pause in to the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, this, is not where the, this is not where the life is here. It's over there. That's actually the next thing. Yeah. That, my friends, twice as much with half the energy. Yeah, that is, that is the question. That is, oh, maybe you could say that that's the goal. That is, why stop there, though? Why not even go farther? That is the, the throwdown. That is the possibility. Um, that is that pause. Oh, man. May you, my brothers and sisters, build that pause into everything you do. And may you see the next step. May you see essence. May you know. And may you come to see that you are not alone. That there are other forces in play here. And then may you understand why thousands of years ago somebody said, be still and know that I am God.